Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 21. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrance, offering, and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or cause joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord." Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up. O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always, giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. Amen. We would hear the word of God through the servant, Reverend Kingsley Osei. There was a certain leper who had terrible diseases from head to toe and was also blind. And he was passing somewhere, he fell into a pond. When he got out of the pond, he saw that he could see. And there was no trace of sickness on him. Everything was gone, and he looked so fresh. He found out the owner of the pond, and then the owner told him, you see what has happened to you? Are you prepared to do whatever I tell you? He said, yes, sir. Thanks to leadership for privilege to come again to share the word of God with you. 
Shall we pray before I tell you the, where the story ended? As usual, I prefer God speaking to us directly because he is God, our Father. We need his message of life. And if God is speaking, every other voice in heaven or on earth under the earth, within us and outside must be still because the king is addressing his children. Father, we are listening. Our God and our King, address us, correct us, rebuke us, encourage us, strengthen us, cleanse us, and bless us for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. We are talking about walking in the light, in the word, in love and wisdom. I've reversed it a little and put in that order. You want to know the end of the story? Well, what the man told the leper is that I prepare to walk in love, in the light, and wisdom. So that's the question assignment given to the leper, the former leper. His response will be your response. That's why it's up to you. I will prepare to walk in love, light, and wisdom. You know, in this life, for you to be able to live when a baby is born, three basic needs. Air, food, and water. That's what the child needs to live. And then why is alive? And if the United Nations is in their charter, that everybody is entitled to food, clothing, and shelter. So apart from air, food, and water, for you to keep living, you need food, clothing, and shelter. If a family does not provide for any member, the person is in trouble. But that's not all that we need in this life. The God who made us says that there are also three basic things, at least as far as this passage is concerned, that we need to be able to walk in, and that is love, light, and wisdom. Why love? You know, that's the beginning of all the good things and the great things that we have. You know our history as human beings, it was a terrible state of sin. When I went to Colossians 2.13, this is how it's put. You were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your sinful nature. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. And in the Ephesians that we read, the previous chapter, something like that is said from verse 31 to 32. That we were full of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and malice. So that is our origin. A very terrible state of sin. And then one day, we encounter love. God, at the time we needed him most, Romans 5.8. While we were yet sinners, that's when God showed his love for us. So even though we, we began in a terrible state of sin, hope came our way. Love caught up with us, as Ephesians 5 and 2 puts it. I want to read from another version. The same uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. This is from the Message Bible. It says, watch what God does, and then you do it. 
like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you, keep company with him, and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. So, after we have come to the point where we have been delivered, like the leper I talked about, and the master says, walk in love, I don't think he's asking too much, because that's what he has done to show us the way. And so the only way we can also show evidence of our salvation and also show appreciation to God is when we imitate him in everything we do, pushed by love. Actually, love is the only evidence as far as Christ is concerned. That will tell the world that we belong to Christ. That's why in John 13 and verse 35, Jesus said, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. If it were to be limited to coming to church to be called brethren, there would be much problem. But Jesus singled out love and said that that is how the world will know who we are if we have love one for another. But you and I should agree that as Christians, we have failed God terribly. 1 Corinthians 13, everybody knows, and we can quote, preach profusely. Almost at every wedding, it is preached. Love, love, love. Let's take them one by one. What love is? And see whether we are serious or we are not joking. We all know love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, a friend said evil, but rather rejoices in the truth, always protecting, trusting, hoping, persevering, and never failing. So now question asks is, so if you know all this as believers, if you know all of them, why are we not making any serious effort? to imitate God, if this is how God shows his love. Verse 1 of Ephesians 5 says, we should imitate God. Then we are told not to do certain things. Instead of imitating God, instead of showing love, why have we allowed sexual morality, which should not have been mentioned in the church? We have allowed it to enter the church. And it's common for, especially the young ones, you break somebody's virginity. You help somebody break his or hers, dump each other, and move on with some, somebody else. That is a wickedness. If you knew you won't marry me, why don't you go? And where from all the impurities, the various forms that have been endorsed, allowed to enter the church, to extend that even gay and lesbian priests are ordained all over the world. What a shame. Harming each other is not how to walk in love. Of course, I'm not going to talk too much about that. There are other sins that the Bible mentioned. It talks about greed. And obviously, once you mention greed, that means that corruption is there. 
And to say that Ghana's people insult us, we say we are 70% Christians, so it means that 70% of corruption is committed by Christians. Whether it's true or not, it is a, a black spot in our lives. Obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, all these things are there. If you think it's not there, I'll just mention one, obscenity. Asaboni, you can see Asaboni even in church dance. Look at some of the choreography we see. You can see that they imitated this style from the world. So we can't even create our own dance. But the obscenity of the world is beautiful to us. When the Bible says, we should sing unto each other, we should sing unto God. We can't do that because we are filled with certain things that should not be part of us. Now, if we can't walk in love, but we can let others sin this way, there's a warning in verses 5 and 6. No immoral or impure or greedy idolatrous person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, and of God, but rather wrath. I wish this verse were removed from the Bible. Addressing the church telling us that certain things, including morality, should not even be mentioned in us. But if we choose to let them go on in our lives, the one is that no immoral or impure or greedy, idolatrous person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God, but rather wrath. This is a hard message. It hits, and it should hit us. If you want to take God serious, it's up to us. If not, I'm afraid. The day we will see that we have disobeyed God by not walking in love, but we chose to walk in sin, it will be too late. But why are we not walking in love? I think the reason is simple. We seem to have enjoyed darkness so much that we don't appreciate that light has come, let alone walk in it. When it comes to light, you know, it is one thing. Sitting in darkness, and then having some light pass by, then you quickly get up and find your way. It's another thing, having the light with you. And in fact, Christ didn't just show us light for us to see our way. He put the light in us directly so that we too can shine. We don't just reflect light like the moon, which sometimes is useless as far as light is concerned, because the moon borrows light from the sun. And for us, we are light ourselves. Hallelujah. Christ has put the light in us. So we don't reflect just light. We have the light in us. So, we ought to shine. We ought to walk in that light. You know, light doesn't have to give instructions to darkness to flee. No. All that is needed is for light to be there. And darkness will automatically go. When it says in verse 11, for example, that we should expose deeds of darkness, it's not saying we should go about telling people what others have done. If you did that, I don't think there's any whistleblower law that can stop somebody from breaking your head for trying to expose them. What it means is that because we shine as light, whatever we are, certain things cannot be done in our presence. When we choose not to compromise, certain activities cannot go on. 
I recall somebody, many of you know, I won't call his name. I'm told when he was working, people didn't like him for one thing. He was too honest to the point that if you took paper, office paper, for your use, he would complain. Why are you using office paper? So it's like you're too something. You don't want us to do anything. But the time came in the office, they were forming a credit union. And they wanted a treasurer. Now everybody said, oh, this one, they give it to him. The person they didn't like, because he was so strict, he wanted everything to be done perfect. When they wanted somebody they could trust to be a treasurer, they said they should give it to him. He made his light shine. The light that was shining, people didn't like it. But that's what he did. Calvary, are we walking in the light? If we are walking in the light, when she was reading, it looks like, I don't know which version, but if you look at verse 9 of Ephesians 5, in the NIV, it's in bracket, it says something like, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. What that means to me is that if there's light, I want to see evidence of light, it should be seen in goodness, righteousness, and truth. If that is not there, something is wrong. As light, we are supposed to offer solutions. So, if people can't come to us to consult, if they can't seek our opinion, does it mean that there's no light coming from us? In other words, we have no hope to offer as individuals and as a church. Or maybe, maybe, we have hidden our light under a bowl, as Jesus said. And identify, it can be a bowl of food, because of food. Somebody's light is dimmed. It can be a bowl of business. You are carrying the whole world on your shoulder. Too busy to shine off the light of Christ. Pleasure. And all the carnal activities that we know of. Maybe in a stream case, we might even be dead asleep. So in that case, we have to go back to Christ. And let him come back and do what he did to Lazarus. And shout out, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. If someone is physically sleeping, I hope he's awake by now. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. We are light. And Christ expresses that we should shine forth our light. Walk in it. So, Calvary, are we walking in the light? Are we shining at all? Do you have light coming out of this church? And can people see the light from afar? When people visit us, do they get enlightened? Do they want to come again? So if there's light here, what has happened to those of our members who seem to be roaming everywhere for prophetic direction, locally called Akwanchere? So I ask, uh, is there not enough light in this church to help us know the mind of God? There are people who are called prophets who can hardly read the Bible, let alone understand it. And want them to be our light to shine for us to see. Any prophecy that is not based on scripture, please, it is soothsaying, it's divination. So what, the fact that you have spoken the truth doesn't mean anything. How does a person uphold the word of God? 
Or we don't know that Satan too can speak the truth. He spoke the perfect truth when he quoted scripture to Jesus. Jesus didn't question him when he was tempting him. And then we also know of the girl, that Susia, who was following Paul and Silas. Also prophesied, these are genuine men of God showing us the way to go. And Paul said, no, I don't want your testimony. The reason is simple. When the devil speaks the truth, yes, it can be the perfect truth, but it is always laced with poison. There's always a hook at the bottom. If you take that truth, and you don't know where it's coming from, as long as it's coming from the devil, he has to get the truth, you also get the poison. Case closed. So that if we are in this church and we think that there's not enough light here, and we must go elsewhere to get light, yes, we may get the light, but in the end, there's a hook that will put you into trouble. My own family has gone through terrible times because my sister belongs to one of those people. And the kind of poison this man has given him, he nearly collapsed my family. That guy in Kumasi. I'll call his name. Or maybe I shouldn't. But that's how they are poisoning people's mind. Because they see them as a truth. I came to Calvary 39 years ago. I'm yet to hear a single message from this pulpit that should make me angry. And maybe raise up my hands. I say, man of God, go and sit down. I've never heard controversial someone's preach here. I've never heard anybody tracing scripture over here. Much as maybe you don't see the other gifts that seem to be giving light. This church we are blessed. We allow people from Asa to come in. And now, adamantly all nights, prophets that we know come. So what else can this church do to give you light? If you have never heard SP prophesying, at least he can bring somebody who can prophesy to you. So what else can we expect? That we have people moving from place to place, running shift here and there, thinking that we don't have the light of God over here. Well, I don't know, maybe they see some light, but to them, it's fake light. And the Bible even acknowledges it. John 1, 9 talks about true light. Jesus said that the true light of God, it shines in darkness, and darkness does not comprehend it. I think that's the that's truth. Some time ago, somebody told me, if I form a church, nobody will join my church. Because my message was too hard. Ah, it was not my message from the Bible. What I've said, I've not said anything that is from me. It hits me also. So, mustn't I try and take what God is saying? Should I go and take what somebody said that will please me? And when the day comes, and the Lord of hosts tells me to get behind him, is that the time I'm going to blame whoever led me astray? No. I'll choose to go the way of Christ. If others won't go, many are called. Continue for me. A few are chosen. So I want to be among the chosen and not the general mass. It won't help me. The true light is shining, but those who love darkness have not perceived it. They don't want to come. Why don't they want to come? Is there anything fake about us? Did I hear yes? <laughs> Let's look at 1 John 2. 
9 to 11. Maybe there might be traces of some fake light or false light amongst us. 1 John 2, 9 to 11 says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. We are, maybe we are contradicting ourselves in some way because if we claim to be in the light but the love aspect is also not there, then it's not complete. The reason why I changed the order of putting love first is from the passage, that seems to be the order. And there's a serious passage in the Bible which we should take note. And if we know it, we'll go to every length to be able to do what God has told us to do, to shine forth his love and the light. Because he reserved the right to do whatever he wants to do. If he has threatened, let's be very careful, because he threatened the church of Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. Revelations 2, 4 to 5. After saying so many beautiful things about that church, there was a bat. And we know when you contrast in language, in English, it means that what is coming has nullified all the rest. Yes, you have passed the exam. But, and not enough for you to qualify. Yes, you have passed. But the school said they can't take you. The passing grade is what? 36, aggregate 36. But in this school, we take only up to 12. What can you do? Who doesn't know that you have passed the exam? With your BC, 36. But this school, we don't go beyond 12. Who will you take to court? So if we think we have done so well as individuals or as a church, and God comes in to say there's a but, let's be careful. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. That is serious. If you lose sight of love and light, God has a right to close down this church, to close down the church in Ghana, to close down the church anywhere, because we are just occupying space, contradicting ourselves. The world can't see Christ in us. They don't see the light. They don't see the love. So what is our use? What is our use? Occupying space. But that is not all. Because there's a third thing that will help us please Christ. If we don't want to bring judgment upon ourselves, let's take the third thing God tells us to walk in wisdom. Actually, verse 15 sounds harsh. And saying from pulpit, I feel uncomfortable. But in many of the versions, it says, verse 15 So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. It's not pleasant to say fools from pulpit. But if God has no choice to call us fools, because sometimes that's how we, we misbehave, what can I do? So if God says, I'm a fool, I must say yes, sir. And then go to him and say, Lord, how can I be wise? Thankfully, he has shown us how to be wise. 
And that's verses 16 and 17. We we'll know who is foolish. The first one is that the one who doesn't know that we are living in evil days and therefore doesn't take advantage or opportunity to do what is right, the Bible says he is foolish. I'm not the one who said it. From another version, it looks like it is worse for the one who doesn't know the will of God. The Amplified Version says the one who doesn't know the will of God he is vague, thoughtless, and foolish. So how can we live in this world and not be able to interpret how dangerous the season is, the times are? How can we live in this world and not know the will of God? In the eyes of God, we are the most foolish people. Because once we don't know his will, it means that we are just moving in this world and can be going against him. And so if today he's closing this side, and because of ignorance, we go there and find ourselves in trouble, then we are indeed foolish. May it not be said of this church that because we don't know God's mind, don't know God's will, because we can't interpret the signs of the times, we are also foolish. Let that one be tofiakwa for us. Let that one bypass us. And let God say that I deal with people who know their times, who know their seasons. I deal with people who can interpret signs and live for me. How do I know somebody is living wisely? From verse 18, we are told certain things that we shouldn't do. If you are wise, don't go there. Don't pollute your body with certain things. The first one mentioned is wine. Most of us may not be guilty of wine, but we know a bushman, what a bushman can do. We do things that will lead us into trouble. So in place of wine, put certain foods there. Eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and and we land ourselves in trouble. Entertainment, that's the order of the day. Everybody must get all forms of entertainment. And the entertainment industry is booming because they have sponsors, they have businesses behind them to push everything. You come out with, excuse me, any silly uh, musical video, you get sponsors. It will be sponsored on the internet, everywhere for you. You tell a gospel musician here to come with a, a, a CD. Even people to come and listen and buy, and they won't come. Let alone get sponsorship on TV or internet. But the world wants that way, and that is what we all want. Of course, followed by their cousins, illicit sex. All those things go with sex. Why, for once, can't we have a video, musical video, that is free from explicit sex? So it's like if you have a, a song, a video, you don't add sex to it. If you have something to advertise, one man has been saying, what has a car got to do with a naked woman, almost a naked woman? So that in advertising a car, there must be a semi-naked woman standing by it. Is that the one I'm coming to buy or the car? Because we have been told that as I look at the woman, I will see the car. Because we have been programmed to be so immoral in every way. And then the other cousins also follow. Prostitution and uh, lesbianism, homosexuality, and all forms of orgies. All these are forms of pleasure that we seek to satisfy the body. Sensual living. We live according to our feelings. And that is stupidity. That is foolishness. The Bible said this thing should not be part of us. Galatians 5, 19 to 21 has listed all of them. We can't let them rule our lives. It means we are not wise. And Christian, we shouldn't go there. 
We don't need to beg. We don't need to threaten. We, don't need, we shouldn't go there. Because in the end, we are the losers. But if we want to be wise, we say we should rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that's when you are inspired to sing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. By the way, some of you don't like hymns. The hymns have been written over time, tested with scripture, and if even there are errors, very few. But I prefer the one-line sentences. And the day I preach here, I say, I don't want to hear this choir singing, these are rubbish. They don't mean anything. We want to sing songs inspired by the Holy Spirit to worship God, not just any song that we sing and we think we are worshiping God. Speak with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in our hearts and giving thanks. That's what a wise person does. When you do that, you invoke the presence of God in your life. Why do we want to be singing songs and themes and styles by so-called award winners who sing secular songs and they promote immorality and sensual living? So Christians, we can't be creative enough to come out with our own songs and our own dance unless somebody who is an award winner over there comes out with something for us to imitate. That's a big shame. And the church must sit up. Otherwise, there's no light to shine. And those who follow them will not come to our light because when they came, they saw the same dance, the same as aboning, the same dressing. There's nothing new. We are not being wise if we just follow them. If you want to be wise, you should walk in the word of God because it's the word, the entrance of the word that gives light. Psalm 119 and verse 30. When we have the word of God controlling us, things will be very different. When we have the spirit of God in us, dwelling on the word, meditating on it, verse 21 says, submit to one another. Out of reverence for Christ, we are not a family life platform, so I can't go much. But the men who are fond of verse 22, telling women to submit, women to submit please, Let's give respect to verse 21. We have to respect each other. If you have reverence for Christ, if you have fear for Christ, if you love Christ, submitting to each other is no big deal. After all, you say, it's for the sake of Christ that I'm doing it. And that is how we can live and have peace at home. We can submit to our parents, our seniors, and even juniors in the office, wherever we are, because we have chosen a wise way like Christ did, the way up is down. Go down, humble yourself, and Christ will lift you. Now, shall we walk in wisdom? He who is wise, live by the word of God while others are making fun of you. One day, one day, you'll be proved right. So, let me conclude with what Moses said. Coming to the end of his life, he gave them this message. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. I am now giving you the choice between life and death, between God's blessing and God's curse. And I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. And life is walking in the light walking in love, and walking in wisdom. 
Love the Lord, your God. Obey him and be faithful to him. And then the blessing that will come, even your descendants will live long in the land he has promised to give you. So if we want to use our own wisdom to do certain things for our generations, we might not finish, die halfway, and our descendants will not inherit anything. But if we built our life on Christ, chose to walk in love, in light, and in wisdom, we can be sure that the seed we have sown in our lives will pass on to generations behind. This is how to shine for Christ. And may God himself help us to seriously and consciously make every effort not to disappoint the Lord and not to let the world have a different vision about us. May he help us to be seen as people of light, people of wisdom, people of love. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Let's thank God that we're in a miserable state. Out of love and compassion, he has raised us to this level. I want to say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Let's thank him that he has put his light in us so that we can shine forth his glory. It is a great honor. Lord, thank you. We were dead in sins, and today we radiate light. Let's say, Lord, help me to be wise, to walk in your ways, and not to mess what you have given me. So, Father, we pray, and we say thank you. We were nobody, dead in sin, but love found us. Your love brought us out of darkness, planted us in the kingdom of light. You put that light in us, that we may see our way, that we may know your mind and walk in it. Forgive us for sometimes ignoring wisdom and choosing to walk in foolishness. But we know you haven't given up on us. That's why we have the courage to come to you and ask for help. Lord, help us. Help us to stand for you. In Jesus' name.